TNHoller.com is the website at the TN Holler on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you to everybody following us and amplifying and supporting us. Today we're talking to a TN House candidate, the Memphis area, Jerry Green. Jerry, how are you? I'm hanging in there. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's a definitely a weird time to be living and it's got to be a weird time to be running for office. How is the campaign going? What is the virus doing to it? There's some pretty obvious things, right? We're not knocking on doors. We're not leaving literature at people's houses. We're not hosting fundraisers or get to know you in person events. We're gonna be safe, number one. Um, the great news is we've learned to adapt because we were already pretty digital and reach people in ways like this so that we're literally in the palm of your hand anytime that it's convenient for you, whether it's through Facebook Lives or other social media posts or texting. There's so many ways that we can still reach voters. It's different. It is also switched, maybe not um, our priorities per se, but like the ordering of them, right? I would say before January, vote by mail was probably not in my top three of things that I was concerned about happening in the fall. And now it most certainly is. Looking at what happened in Wisconsin yesterday with people standing in line for hours on end in rain with masks and gloves, not to mention the poll workers. And, you know, I don't know about you, but my poll workers are almost re all retirees. Um, thinking about those people putting themselves in danger like that, it's terrifying. And so I, some things have just sort of switched, right? Um, in, so in are you saying, priorities. Jerry, that you're saying that you don't think people should have to risk their lives to go vote? <laughs> I don't. I think that, you know, your right to vote is sacred, but you should not have to worry about staying alive to exercise it. I think that's a pretty fair way to put it. Uh, it's an absolute disgrace what happened in Milwaukee yesterday. And we have called, I have called uh, Target and Mark Goins pretty much every day for the last two weeks to try to talk to them about what's going on here. And they haven't called back. They don't seem to want to talk about it. Governor Lee was asked about it last week at a press conference. He punted to, to Hargett. They haven't asked him about it since. I actually called a election commissioner yesterday to talk to him about it. And his basic point was, you know, it would be hard to do because they don't have a full year to prepare, but basically every day that they don't, pull that exactly. trigger, it gets harder. So right. this is something that we need to think about now, not in August. And, you know, also for the next time this happens, because chances are this is not the last pandemic we're going to see. So I'm glad that you or brought the it up. wave of this pandemic. Like there will right. be more than one wave of this pandemic. Well, I'll tell you, several years ago, I ran the St. Jude Marathon and it taught me the biggest lesson it taught me, it taught me a lot of things, but the biggest lesson it taught me was hard is not impossible. And so when people like ask me how I can run a campaign and have a job at a nonprofit and have three small children in the middle of a global pandemic, right? let's add that layer on now. Um, I always say, how can I not? Because I feel like the house is on fire and my children are inside. And so I need to go and do everything I can to rescue them. And so when I was doing that marathon, what I knew was I was going to have to put in the work, right? because it seems impossible. 
I am not a fast runner. I am not a good runner. I am not a natural runner, but I wanted to get to that finish line. So I started work early, right? And then I continued to work up until the day of the race, one foot in front of the other, one breath, even when I felt like I couldn't go on. And that's what people in our government need to be doing right now with vote by mail. It may seem impossible to get it done by November, but hard is not the same as impossible. This is hard, but we can put our resources in the right place and get it done. And we speaking, have to, people's lives are on the line. Right. And, and speaking of that, uh, there are a lot of races in Tennessee. A lot of people are running for state house, but your race is actually theoretically going to be closer than a lot of them. So can you tell us a little bit about your race, about who you're running against and about why, if people are looking to support a candidate in Tennessee, you should be somebody they look at no matter where they live? Yes. So our seat, District 83, is being called the most flippable in the state of Tennessee. And that has to do with a couple of things. One is how things have been trending in the last few years. Um, for a long time, no Democrat even ran out here. In 2016, a Democrat got over 30%. In 2018, they got 44%. Um, Blackburn was beat by Bredesen. Hillary Clinton even won in some of the most conservative suburban parts of my district. So it's trending the right way, right? And on top of that, my opponent, Mark White, uh, he's a 10-year incumbent. He has put himself in some precarious situations, uh, particularly around the issue of vouchers in this past year. He promised he would never support them, never be for them, and then he not only voted for it, he co-sponsored the bill. And just in this recent session where they had to do emergency funding, they kept in $41 million for that voucher program. And that has outraged a lot of people in my district because we believe in our public schools and our public school teachers, especially those of us that are now at home, homeschooling multiple small children, right? We're all... Uh, understand that our teachers and our schools need to be fully funded and not have money sucked out of that system to the tune of $41 million, our tax dollars, to go to funding uh, private schools. So that's and, and, and something, something people should know about that is uh, most of the people who supported that voucher bill did so under the uh, making sure that their county, their district was not harmed by it, not involved with it. Your district, I believe, actually will be impacted by the vouchers, right? Or will they not? Are you guys in? So uh, Memphis is its own special place. And um, a lot of our suburban districts, we used to have a county school system and a city school system, and they merged. And when that happened, a lot of the suburban districts became their own entity, like part of my district's in Germantown. They have their own mayor. They have their own school system because they believe in their public schools. And they also see the writing on the wall, right? So yes, some of my district is um, in Memphis and will be directly affected by this legislation. Some of it's not yet, but they're not stupid. They know that, that once um, this program gets up and running, it is not going to be limited. It is going to continue to increase and increase and increase. And they're terrified of that because in Germantown especially, they love, love, love their public schools. And they don't want to see anything to harm them. Right. And, and so people know we already get an F in education funding in our state. So instead of steering more money away from our public schools towards private schools, 
we should be fully funding education in Tennessee. And we're, I think it's something like $1.5 billion would just get us out of the bottom 10 or something like that. So, you know, when they say we fully fund education or fully fund the BEP, the BEP, the basic education plan is broken and outdated. And that is misleading and it's their way of throwing us off. So, yeah. And in this most recent budget, they did things like they promised they were going to give teachers a 4% raise and they took it down to 2%. And they took out funding for counselors. Like, we're not going to need those when they come back. It's absolutely absurd. And my opponent is the chair of the education committee. And he is running on his record when only one in three third grade Tennesseans can read on a third grade level. And I tell people all the time, especially now that I'm homeschooling these jokers here, (laughs) if I left and only one of three of them could read, I would feel like a failure, right? I wouldn't be proud of that fact. So the idea that we're going to continue to take money away, especially during this really challenging time from our public schools to fund some pet project of Governor Lee and my opponent is just, I think it's unconscionable, honestly. So we know we know Mark White's on the wrong side of a lot of things. We know he's on the wrong side of, of the gun issue. We know he's on the wrong side of, and I think he like took a while to come around to the anti-lunch shaming bill. There's the anti-LGBT stuff. But tell us a little bit about you and yourself and, and you know, why you decided to do this in your background. So I'm an attorney. By profession, I went to Georgetown Law School, and when I left, uh, I grew up from, I'll just say, poor, uh, poor background, and I was always taught to give back. And so I left and went into public interest law. I was a public defender. I started in Nashville. I represented juveniles with um, mental disabilities and with mental health issues. That's what I specialized in, sort of the most voiceless among us. And when I left Mas- Nashville and moved back home to Memphis, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago, uh, I continued working in that. I worked in the public defender's office here. I'm now at a nonprofit. I'm an advocate now, not an attorney um, in the courtroom, but we still help people. My nonprofit helps people get access to justice they otherwise wouldn't. I'm also an activist. You're showing some pictures. Um, I've been a spokesmom with Moms Demand Action for many years because I've had gun violence impact my life three times. I lost my grandparents to a motor suicide. I lost my best friend from the time I was seven years old till um, right before I left for law school to a murder suicide. And just last year, I lost another colleague uh, who was gunned down in his home. So it's not political for me. It's very personal. And above all of those things, I am a mom. And being a mom means that when they talk about arming teachers, I care in a different way. When they talk about taking money away from public schools, I care in a different way. Lunch shaming depth hurts my heart to think about a kid being at school and being hungry. So it's just sort of my legacy when I leave this earth are those three kids. Those are my special interests, Bo, Vivian, and Wilder. And I want to make a difference for them. That's why I'm running. I think that's a good why. You always got to have your why. I ran for Congress in 2018 and I got asked that a lot. What's your why? And like you said, mine are over there about 30 feet that way. Uh, One's four, one's five months old. And, you know, those have to be the why. And that's the good reason. I know. Yeah, we're trapped right now. And you're still able to do this. So do you have them like duct taped down somewhere? (laughs) My my wife and I are taking turns uh, dealing with that. So, yes, basically duct tape and some ABC... uh, what is it? Some ABC mouse. ABC yeah. mouse. Yes. yes. And, and also, 
there's a lot of Disney rides that they they basically have POV angles so you can like pretend to be on a Disney ride. So my wife is really into that because we're basically a Disney cult family. Nice, nice. Yes. Uh, so, is there anything else? What, what are what are the? I guess you know you usually get asked about a few of the issues. It sounds like guns are at the top of the list for you, uh, uh, voting, and you know what about healthcare in Tennessee? What do you want to see happen? My opponent has consistently voted against expanding uh, TenCare, Medicaid, um, making it more affordable, more accessible to you know, the average working person, I feel like this crisis has highlighted in a way that probably nothing else could, how broken our system is. And, you know, in the state of Tennessee, the Democrats are a super minority. And if we could just get to where we are a minority, we can do some more things and do some incremental steps that will impact hundreds of thousands of Tennesseans' lives around the issue of healthcare. You know, the idea that people have to choose between insulin or rent, you know, I see that in my work, that's ridiculous. Most people can't afford, the studies show that, I think it is 40% of Americans can't afford a $400 emergency. Well, now we have a lot of people who have been laid off or furloughed or their pay cut by a certain percentage. And a lot of the time, you know, you're, Medical care is tied in with your job. All of this is the perfect storm when you combine it with Governor Lee and my opponent's refusal to accept the Obamacare money. So I would like to get in there and help try to let us push the ball forward for the people in need until we can make a greater difference. But, you know, this is tragic, but it is highlighted in a way that most people couldn't really see before how terrible our healthcare system is. You know, we talk all the time about, we have the best healthcare in the world. Well, <laughs> you know, I don't know a lot of people that are like, I just love my insurance plan. My, my copay is fantastic. I'll tell you, my husband works at FedEx. He's a manager there. We have nice insurance, right? We're on a good plan. My son fell a few months ago in November hit his head, had to get two stitches. It was real close to his eye, so he couldn't just like get it glued up, you know? We had to go get actual stitches. But a nurse put him in, not a doctor. And he, our out-of-pocket was $1,000. Now, if you are already struggling, you're living paycheck to paycheck, and you just have a random accident that's two stitches, and you have good insurance, and it still costs you $1,000 to get that fixed, that's so detrimental to so many people and we just shouldn't live in a world where that, where that's a priority. And I think that's one of the things that it was included in my original platform, but it will be bumped higher up on the list as we see this pandemic play out in the next few months. I think you're right that this pandemic, I'm not going to call it a silver lining because so much bad stuff has happened, but it has highlighted and held a mirror up to the shortcomings of our system. And, you know, I just saw a post, Three days ago, there was a healthcare worker in New York who posted about somebody that was on a ventilator that his last words were how, who's going to pay for it? And he died. And those were his last words, who's going to pay for it? And that is something that's very unique to America and more unique to Tennessee are some numbers that are 
impossible to ignore. They talk about we're, we're a healthcare center. Nashville is a healthcare center in this country. We're number one in medical bankruptcies, number one in rural hospital closures per capita, at the bottom in infant mortality, at the bottom in maternal mortality, at the bottom in opioid deaths, which are going up here and going down all around us. And these are all things that would be better addressed by something as simple as expanding Medicaid, which keeps a billion dollars from coming back home every single year. Meanwhile, Governor Lee just announced a $10 million grant for rural hospitals in Tennessee. That's one one hundredth of what we should be getting every single year with Medicaid expansion. So I'm glad you brought that up. And that's like a, that's like a bandaid on a dam that's about to burst. That's right. You know? That's right. And, and it's not going to hold. Here's the thing. Republicans know that they know they're wrong. They don't have a good reason for this. They Lee got grilled about it two days ago at his presser by Phil Williams and Alex Apple of Fox Nashville, and he had no good answers for it, except to say, we're going to take care of people who are afflicted by the virus. Well, if people are afflicted by the virus and you don't want to let them die, why do you want to let people die who are afflicted with other things? There is no right. moral reason for that. There is only a political one. And they deserve to have that hung on them every step of the way. I, I think Sherry Jones is here joining us. She she seems to be trying to say something, but I just want to say that hello to Sherry Jones. She's somebody that I, I respect and I know would have something to say about all of this. Speaking of Sherry Jones, she was in there in the house for a while. And I want to ask you, it's quite a scene in there. There's all kinds of characters. Does any part of you f reticent of going and joining this crew of, you know, characters, I guess I'll generously call it. Uh, let me say this. Um, and I've learned this being a woman candidate, because when you are a woman candidate, a lot of people are not afraid to say a lot of things to you all the time. But I was sort of baptized in fire when I was a public defender. And whether it is the judge or the DA or your client or your client family, like every day it was a three wing circus. And I feel like I have good training for how to handle myself in that sort of situation. I am also a mother of three little people. And so dealing with everybody's little bitty different personalities and cleaning up messes that aren't my own, things like that I do on a daily basis. So I'm not too stressed out about it. Uh, I've been up to Nashville a couple of times. I, I go up there every year with moms to do Advocacy Day, and I've known some of the people, uh, some of the people who are reps for a long time. Some of them I'm just meeting now, and you know, in general, they are good people, and they're up there trying to do um, good stuff, especially on the Democratic side. And so, I'm ready to put in the work. I'm a hard worker. You know, we say all the time in this campaign, I'm running against an incumbent Republican, and so he's probably going to outspend me, but he's not going to outwork me. So I'm ready to get in there and get to work. It's all I know is hard work. Well, I'm rooting for you and definitely let's keep in touch as things progress and let people know where they can find you and help you. I, I think I put it oh, on the yeah. screen. Yeah, definitely um, come to our Facebook. Since you're on Facebook, go like our Facebook page and come to our website. You can do lots of things there. Um, join our team. When you join our team, when we are eventually able to go out, you can help sign up for volunteer events or right now, you know, phone banking, text banking, writing postcards sign up for a yard sign, all of that's on my website. Of course, if you can donate, like Justin said, that's super, super helpful for us to be able to help blast our message out there. Right now, we want to bring compassion and common sense back to our government. It's not a radical agenda, but 
we're going to need your support to get that message out there to fight the powers that be, the powers that are in there right now. Good luck to you, Jerry. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for coming on. Follow the holler. Tennessee. 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 Tennessee.